Hey, Dr. Bill here, and welcome to Meet the Mentor. We have a really exciting Meet the Mentor today with a young man from Denmark. But before that, a lot of you ask me, what is LEAP? LEAP is an entrepreneurship program for high school and college students aged 15 to 25 that we have taught at UCLA for the last 16 years. What do we teach? We teach students skills to be successful in life. And the coolest thing about LEAP is that I've asked so many of my celebrity patients and business leaders to come and help, and they do. We've had Mark Wahlberg, Paula Abdul, Michael Strahan, Kathy Bates, Anthony Hopkins, Apollo Ono, Eric Garcetti, Jason Alexander. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And these people come and share the secrets of their success with our LEAP students. Typically, we get about 500 to 550 students every summer, and we literally pack them with so much information. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And one of the parts that the students love most is when we bring in these mentors. So we started this Meet the Mentor series because we didn't want this to just be a one and done week. We wanted to do it throughout the year and continue to give these students great information from great mentors to teach them how to do businesses in every field you could ever imagine. Peter Schroeder started his career as a nine-year-old, nine-year-old DJ in his native country, Denmark. At nine, he was starting to do party gigs that grew into club gigs. And then at about 18 years old, he was working all over the world and was one of the most popular DJs in Denmark. By the time he was in his late teens, he even started his own record label and sold it several years later. Peter is an accomplished DJ, entrepreneur, technology pioneer, and with over 20 platinum records, he has 40 gold records and a triple nomination of the prestigious Danish DJ Awards, which you'll have to tell us what that is. Uh, Peter is one of Denmark's top DJs and entertaining audiences of up to 180,000 over his lifetime. Peter's latest technology is Telzio, which is a pre-unicorn unified communications company that's developing game-changing technology and products that simplify and streamline repetitive tasks. So basically what he did was he created a cloud-based telephone company. And what do you do with this company? Well, you can process calls, you can text, you can take inbound calls, you can put them in queues, you can give them messages, you can use all kinds of AI things for asking questions and collecting information and data, and you can even do conference calls. And I'll have him explain to you in more detail. Uh, throughout his career, Peter has survived a plane crash and the birth of twins. I don't know which is harder because I have twins also. But Peter, welcome to Meet the Mentor. Twins are harder. Twins are harder, huh? <laughs> Where did the plane crash? Um, that was on the way from Copenhagen to uh, Alborg, where I'm from. Uh, I, was, I think I was going to visit my mom or something like that. And all of a sudden, we got this message over the speakers that they couldn't lock the landing gear in place. So they had to circle and do an, uh, what do you call it? Emergency, Emergency landing? Yeah, exactly. And, they were preparing all that stuff, but no one would really um, be worried in there because, well, one thing, their cabin crew was really professional, they were really good. But a week before, uh, the same thing had happened, and that was all over the news, but nothing really happened. They landed safely, so we were like, okay, yeah, that's going to be fine. So you didn't really crash? Not, well, so we actually did. 
Oh, so you did when, crash. When ours uh, crashed or landed, the landing gear did collapse and we got off the runway and circled around and uh, the propeller, there was like a turboprop, the propeller went through the fuselage and luckily they had moved people from the center because they knew that could potentially happen. Right. So one lady broke her arm, no casualties or anything like that, but, um, and I was actually on a plane later that night. I had a gig I was playing in yeah. Germany, so, um, but it was, it was weird because I, I actually forgot about it. Uh, there was so much going on in my life around that time. So. I, you know, I, I don't know if, if I just like buried it mentally or whatever. <laughs> maybe I should talk to someone about that. But it came up again a couple of years ago. I was like, okay, yeah, wait a minute. I was on that plane. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a weird experience. All right. So before we get into your current, you know, kind of job and, and, you know, your phone company that you've been at for 10 years, how do you start being a DJ at age nine? I saw a, a, a DJ <clears throat> at a school dance kind of thing and I was like that guy is so cool he can play a song and make everyone dance and go crazy and have a good time and I just thought that was really amazing to be able to do kind of like the same feel like I guess when I have uh, friends over for a dinner party or something you know like you give people a good experience but but I mean you don't just do it you have to learn stuff but like did you have a mentor did you go and like shadow somebody like I, I wish yeah. I, I so what did you do? You go online and learn? I mean, I didn't exist back then, right? Yeah, so, what did you do? <laughs> I oh, I forgot. You're not that young. <laughs> right, exactly. At 40, yeah. we didn't have the internet. We didn't. We yeah, so how did you learn this? I got two ghetto blasters and played at my friend's uh, birthday parties uh, with cassette tapes. That was really it. And then I had a dad that played in a band, so I borrowed their smoke machine and their a couple of lamps and stuff. Um, but that was it in the beginning. And then eventually I was able to get you know, a little bit bigger parties for friends still and eventually like school dances like my friend like well, the, the, the guy I saw to begin with and then eventually a nightclub and so on but I took the long road I never had a mentor and I wish I did because yeah. that would have cost me so much so give us a quick kind of rundown of your whole musical career you started this DJing yeah. at eight at nine obviously you couldn't really do legitimate stuff until you were like of age, yeah, yeah. which I think in Denmark is 16 or 18? 18, yeah. 18? Yeah, I was 17, I think, maybe a week shy of being 18 when I got my first nightclub gig. Um, and <clears throat> and I, I really just started the local little bar at my, my hometown or a little nightclub that was there. And then eventually I was able to be, I did a good job, uh, you know, maybe the first year. Eventually I could get a, uh, uh, you know, bigger gigs at a neighboring town and, and you know, and so on. And then I met some friends uh, online. That was when online existed. Um, and that was like a community for, for music uh, producers. And I met some people there. Then we started yeah. making music too. So when I graduated dental school, I was 24. And I started working in a clinic in Switzerland. But for three months, I kind of traveled Europe. Because I, I grew up, we, we never really had money to like go travel and stuff. So I wanted to do this. And the thing about Denmark that that was crazy to me, and and maybe you know American kids don't know this, when you go to nightclubs there, you don't even go until like midnight. Yeah, like, the earliest. Yeah, it, like when you go in there at midnight, you're the only one. Yeah. And they usually start to ramp up around 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. And then people stay there until 6 or 7 in the morning and have breakfast. Yeah, sometimes 10. Like yeah. there, there, will be, there will be nightclubs that, that don't really start until 5 a.m. Because then the other places close and people go there and they keep going until 10. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. 
So you were a DJ, and then what inspired you to move here? Uh, I was actually playing a gig in Vegas, uh, and uh, through some friends, I met my now wife out there. Uh, she's born and raised in California, so she came over for three months during winter time. And Denmark is not that fun in the winter, so yeah, so like it, we gotta go to LA. <laughs> and at that point, I was already playing a lot of gigs in, in the U.S. and and I was kind of at the, the top of my career, so I was like. Sure, I'll, I'll move. I'm, I'm flying there anyway, so I think I've been there 10 times already that year, and that was mm. in the summer, so let me just come over and see what happens. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. so how does being a DJ transition into starting up a telephone <laughs> cloud-based company? So I've always been a nerd. I've always been tingling with computers since I was really young and, and programming. I've been doing other things as well, uh, IT-related. So. Uh, when I was around 27, I think, I was at the top of my DJ career and I played 383 gigs in one year within 12 months. So I was burned out. Wait, <laughs> that's is. more than one a day. It is. It's uh, typically three a day. Uh, right. And you have one day of travel uh, once a week. Wow. It was, it was too much and, and I burned out. I was completely... How's your hearing? Bad. Yeah, right? It is. I'm, I don't have tinnitus. I don't have a you know, ringing tone or anything like that, but I have really bad hearing. Uh, it's not, I can't recommend that part. Um, and you know, when you're young and you just play blasting music, you don't really worry that much about right. that. But I wish I would have back then. But I was, I was uh, playing a lot and, and, and I have ADD, so I have to be very structured about when I produce music and write. So I can't just be on a plane or, or in a hotel room and sit on my laptop and make a song. That's my, a lot of my friends can and I really envy that. Um, so I have to have my studio neatly set up. Um, and because of that, because I was traveling all the time, I hadn't made music for a long time, so I was telling my manager, hey, I need a, a break, I need a few months where I don't mm -hmm. play and then get, get some music done. So while I was doing that, and this was the time where I met my wife, um, uh, at, at that time I was you know, doing a, another little side project where I was kind of developing a platform for DJs and producers to exchange music and promote their music. And I needed a phone system for that. And I couldn't find anything that was cheap and out of the box that could work. I couldn't pay a lot of money for it. So. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll just code it myself. And that was a lot of fun. So I just never stopped coding that, <laughs> you know? And that's also why I say I never stopped DJing. I just started doing something else and maybe I'll be finished with that and then go back to DJing, who knows? So, so I get it, you, you wrote code, you had this idea, but that doesn't really like create a business, oh. right? How did you actually start to market it and get customers and grow this thing? About how many customers do you have right now? Uh, I don't even know, thousands. We have thousands. Uh, thousands of users, yeah. And is this like a monthly kind of subscription or an annual thing or how's this work? Yeah, it's a subscription monthly. Um, well, so, so it started out really small because I really just built the product for myself. So I just mm -hmm. needed decent these features. So I built this little thing and then, well, here's actually a product. So, and my wife, you know, said, why don't we put that online and see, you know, if someone will sign up. So we did that, made a little website for it and you can sign up and then wrote about it on a couple of message boards. Just literally just wrote, uh, hey, check this out. I built this, go check it out. And then some people signed up. Okay, so when you start a business, for me, and I've started several, the 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 right the initial part of it the part that's really fun for me is kind of the creative thing the marketing and the name that's huge explain your name it was available on .com but, well uh, yeah it's available because nobody's ever heard of it exactly. what the heck is it well so we wanted something with telephone telecom something right. to tell and then we just wanted something of short five six characters 
uh, easy to write and, and, and you know. And then we just brainstormed and we just like put words together, letters. So you just made it up? Yeah, just made it up. Okay. And it was available, you know, so. Well, I mean, that's actually really smart these days. I mean, a lot of times when you want to start a company, everything, yeah. everything you want is taken. Yeah. So, you know, for instance, I just started a new company for tooth whitening, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a, a whitening strip, but the big advantage of my whitening strip is that it dissolves on your teeth. So at the end of the process, you don't have to throw this gross thing away. Right. So the strip basically disappears. So the tagline is stains disappear, strips disappear, and poof, your teeth are white. I like that. So they're called poof tooth whitening strips. Uh -huh. But what I did is what they did with Spanx. You know what Spanx yeah, yeah, are? Yeah. How did they spell Spanx? S-P-A-N-K-S, right? No, they don't. They have, a, I think, a Z at the end, ah. right? So what I did with poof was I made it P-O-O-O-F. Yeah, right. So with three O's, nobody ever spelled poof wrong right. like that. So now I own everything. I own all the domains, all the way, right. everything under poof with three O's, whitening strips. Yeah, right? and, and you can think about it. It's, it's kind of like crest as well. You know, that, that's that's also just a word that's made yeah. up. It doesn't mean anything. No. It doesn't have to. No. It has to be easy to spell. Right. You know, and, and, yeah. and, and it can't be too long. It can't be, you know, mistaken. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know if maybe in your language this meant sort of, but yeah, you just made it up. And, yeah. and that's, yeah, it's great. And the, what's more important to me is really that it, .com is available because that has some, some authority to it. No, like, of course. You can't do .net. Listen, my, my daughter works for Kim Kardashian's company, mm -hmm. which actually, if you take Spanx, is a knockoff of Spanx, but they did them better. Uh -huh. And they're called Skims. Well, brilliant. I mean, Kim Kardashian is one of the most recognized names in the world. Oh, yeah. So she has the name Kim in it, put an S on there, Skims, right? Yeah, I like Genius. That. Yeah, I, I like that. So yeah, it, it, it doesn't have to be anything particular. It just has to be yeah. recognizable. Okay, so you develop the technology, you have a platform that's viable, you, you know you have a good product, you're using the product, which is also very beneficial, mm -hmm. and uh, you create a name, and then you start marketing it. So how did the, the marketing process actually evolve? That was the hardest part, because we didn't have any money. We cashed in my voice 401k, $16,000, that was all we had. Um, and we were up against, let's say, AT&T, Verizon. Right. Billions of dollars to yeah. the market. Yeah, not a small company. Exactly. And, 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 and you know, okay, there's certain things we can do. We can go and buy ads on Google or, you know, keywords and stuff like that. Yeah, there's $700 per click in our industry. That's, we didn't have that money. That, the math does make up because, you know, add, add up when, when you, you know, take seven years of, of, of tenure of a comp company and, and, and maybe they pay $1,000 a month or something for a big one, right? Um, so, so it does add, add up and, and, and you know, you, you could, but you have to have that money up front to buy those ads and we didn't. So we had to figure out what do we do then uh, when we can't buy ads. Well, we had to get good at SEO and we did. So we really just figured out, okay, how do we get on page one on Google for certain keywords? That took a long time. It took, I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years. We are, we are number one on, on, on many of the good keywords that we want to be. But it's, it's a long road, really, and a lot of grind and, and a lot of, you know, reinvesting whatever revenue you get in over and over. And we've been doing that since. Was there like a particular company that helped you do that or you just like did it by trial and error? Or? Yeah, I mean, the, back to the ADD thing, right? So, so I, for me, that's a superpower. I, it gives me the 
ability to you know, get really, really, really good at something, like really dive to the bottom of the rabbit hole and then start digging for more. So that's what I did. I really just like figure out what is SEO? Well, how do you do it? And there are a lot of you know, things online where you can read, even Google tells you on their blogs what to do. You just got to do it. So a keyword for you would be? Uh, phone queue, a phone menu. Okay, and then you had to figure out a way to become number one on SEO when people were searching for the best phone queue. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like when people want the best cosmetic dentist. Yeah. Exactly. And they would probably, you would probably be number one for your name if people know your name. But if they don't know the name, then they search for those keywords, right? Right. And you have to be, you have to make a website that, you know, will show up as that. And you can't just fake that. Google is really, really smart. Google wants uh, the searcher to get whatever is in the searcher's best interest. So if your website is the best result, then you will be in number one. So you have to figure out how do you do that. So let's go through the evolution of your company. You you have this platform. Now you start doing a little bit of advertising. I'm assuming you probably hired a few employees. Kind of give me like the the growth the growth trajectory of, of of what happened. So the funny thing is we never advertised, not even to today. Uh, we've never spent a dollar on that. We have literally just gotten SEO and then word of mouth. But yeah, we for the first. Two years, I did all tech support and, and sales, uh, all calls. I got up in the morning and, and waited, waited by the phone and people started calling in. Um, and, and, and in the beginning, it was only word of mouth because you know we didn't have the SEO thing working yet. It's, it's like a, a train, it needs to get up to speed. It takes a long time. Um, so for the first two years, we didn't have a lot of customers, but slowly we got a bigger bigger customers. And the funny thing about that is every time we got a new client in, they would ask for a feature we wouldn't have and then we would build it if it made sense. And then we would get a little bit bigger, you know, the, the clients we, that we got were, you know, just, you know, maybe not just a startup with two employees, but all of a sudden there was a, a startup with 10 employees and then 50 and so on. And all of a sudden Facebook signed up and Airbnb and Samsung, these kind of companies started signing up. In the beginning, just small departments within that, but then we could spread within those organizations uh, because once we have a foot in, we could ask, oh, who's your IT director for the whole company? And, and that's, you know, allowed us to get some, some money. to start Yeah, hiring. that's surprising. I mean, you would think a company, you know, like Facebook would do that internally, right? Yeah, but they do to a certain extent. But then they would have a marketing department that needed a phone system or Netflix, for example. They had a new show coming out. Stranger Things. Stranger Things, right? So they had a, a big campaign where they had a phone number on all billboards all over the country. And they wanted that phone number to be a real number so people could call in and hear, you know, some characters from Stranger Things. So they went to us because their phone company that they used for the corporation didn't provide that feature. Mm. You know, so but we did. And and then we had our foot in and we could start asking, oh, so who do we talk to to become the whole thing? So it, it, can we discuss fees like what an average monthly fee would be for a small business? So Danish. <laughs> Let's come back to that because I'm, I'm very... Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, equality-minded. So what, one thing that really annoyed me when I started was uh, I didn't have the ability to get all the features that enterprises have. And that was because all those features are hidden behind, uh, you know, an enterprise plan that you'd have to pay $5,000 instead of $50. Right. And that's unfair because why, why do they have to get those features? Why, why, why do they get the features that I need to compete when they've already made it? I should right. be the one getting that. So I wanted to not have that uh, so what we did was we started out and said, 
$1 a month for a phone number, and then you pay per minute that you call and you per text and so on. Ah, so, so all the features from the beginning. Okay, and then you just pay by the minute. Yeah. By for usage. Yeah, and all our competitors they charge a fee per feature typically and per user per month, and then you get unlimited calling. But that's not so. What thing. would an average like? Let's say I use this for my dental office. Mm -hmm. Every single phone call that every single patient makes is going to be counted in these in this minute use. Yeah. So, I mean, what's an average company paying monthly? It, it of course depends uh, on the size because that's right. the beauty of it. Yeah. It scales real well, so it works for for startups and it works for Facebook, right? Correct. The and and, and that's the thing, but but yeah, as as a small company, maybe $150 for like a, a, a company with 20 employees or, or 30 employees. Right. It's 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 definitely it competes with our competitors prices. But it's not too much under. It's yeah, under curious. Uh, do you have any doctors on, on oh, it or dentists or? Well, what would the average doctor be paying? Like a regular office uh, with with you know and and a receptionist and so on. Right, right. Maybe between fifty and hundred dollars. Really? Yeah. Wow. And you know, what I really you like may is, have a new customer. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, what I really like is that that thing about the features, right? Because and and also free users. We don't charge per user, so they can add. Every employee. Yeah, this is a Scandinavian mentality, and I like it. Yeah, no, no, no it's very true. Yeah. It's very true. And, and for us, you know, it makes sense because the more people you add to your phone system, the more they'll call. Right. right. So, so there's a bigger chance that we actually make more money because. Right. Uh, and you will get a service that everyone uses. Right. So I know from a, a previous conversation, you have about thirty employees. Do you have any intention to really try and scale this and make it bigger and bigger and bigger, or is that only an American thing? No, bigger no, no. is better. No, I mean we 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 reinvest everything still to the day, and and we are scaling up. Um, but again, we're not taking we haven't taken funding, uh, and and that's very uh, well. In the beginning, we actually thought we we were supposed to. That's what you do. But we found out that that's not what you necessarily have to do. No, okay. we never did either. Yeah, so, so we, we can do whatever we want and we can build the product we want. And uh, you can go internationally. Yeah, well, so we are. Uh, we have country, uh, com com customers all over the world and we have a, an actual department in Denmark now. Um, so, so we have developers there. And I mean, we're only four people left in LA. Everyone else is uh, after COVID moved to wherever they were from originally and, and stayed there and work from home now. So we have employees all over the world. Oh, interesting, interesting. So if you could, you know, look in a crystal ball and see your company, you know, five years from now, tell me how that's going to look. Hopefully not much different than today, just in terms of customers, we get more. But I'm, I'm not a, a very interested in having a lot of employees. So if you look at our size of employees and versus how many customers we have, we may maybe 10% of our competitors. And that's very um, deliberate of me, and, and then it's, it's really, I, I don't want to manage a lot of people. I, I, I hate managing, I hate telling people what to do. So I try to find people that are just really, really smart and figure that out themselves and, and, and keep going and, and, and kind of manage them. So I just have to basically check in and make sure that we, we are in the same trajectory and, and mm. going, going the same way, right? But uh, I try to, to just have some really, really smart people and pay them a little bit over average on, on the market so that you know, I'm sure they stay around and, 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 and are as vested as I am. And that's what we've been able to do now. So we have some really like, good talent on our team. That's and awesome. I, and I hope to be able to do that and keep, keep going that way because you know, uh, our customers have a good experience when they call in, tech support, they know everything. Uh, and and you know, go read our reviews online. They all mention that, that, that it just, you know, things just work.
So most of our listeners are, you know, leap age students, 15 to 25. If there's a student listening who would like to contact you, what's the best way? Petersroda.com uh, is my personal website. There's all my social media and I'm available pretty much everywhere. And I love when people write me. Uh, you know, you get a lot of these uh, sales emails and, and, and just business emails, but I actually like when people, even customers or, or just other people just write an email. So I would really love for, for, for people to do that. Leap will be July 21st to the 27th. On Friday, which is the 26th, uh, we will have something called a mentor workshop. The mentor workshop will have about 100 professionals from all walks of life where you sit with a little group of like eight to 10 students and they just ask you questions about your business. It's like speed dating. And then every That's 30 cool. minutes we rotate. I would love to have you come if you're in town at that time and, and be a mentor in our, in our workshop. I'd love to, I'd love to. That's All right. Fun. Hey, Peter, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so if you haven't signed up for Leap yet, do it. If you're a parent watching this, please go to our website, www.leapfoundation.com. And thank you for joining us on Meet the Mentor. Dr. Bill, over now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.